Hey, this is Kieran. Episode 12, Tristan Tillette joins the podcast and shares the evolution and creation of Birmingham Futsal in Birmingham, Alabama. But there's so much more to this episode than just that. Great, great value in this one. I know you're going to love this episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Karen Coaches Corner Chats, and today I've got Tristan Tillett on with me. Tristan, give us a little bit of background on what you're up to, where you're at, and all that good stuff. So I'm located in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm originally born and raised in New Orleans. Um, I'm a coach's son, so I kind of grew up around sport. Um, he coached, I'm 45. He's been coaching for 47 years, so literally, like, that's the life that I've, that I've known. Um, where we grew up uh, in inner city, New Orleans, he was a high school and then a college basketball coach. Um, he migrated here to Birmingham as he got his first uh, like major college opportunity. He was an assistant here at division one um, head coach here locally in Birmingham, um, which was kind of my first entry into the coaching profession, uh, so to speak, full time. I coached uh, division one basketball for six years and then had my first child about 17 years ago and kind of knew that that wasn't the the lifestyle that I wanted to have as a, as a parent and father, because I knew just the travel and the rigors of what that schedule would be, you know, wouldn't lend itself to always being as present as I could, uh, much to the chagrin of my kids, probably, as they might say now. Um, but uh, got out of that realm of coaching and got into actually the sports performance uh, realm where that was, this was back in 2003, four. So this was before like sports performance was like really a thing. Like there was, you know, it was a really narrow niche. Like if you were strength conditioning, you were either going to be like a personal trainer for general fitness or work with a college. I knew I didn't want to kind of do either of those. I wanted to work with athletes. I wanted to coach. I wanted to be hands-on, you know, with young athletes and help them reach their goals and dreams. Um, so started a program here uh, that grew and then stepped away from that for a few years and then got back into um, youth sports about three years ago and started our program, Birmingham Futsal uh, Again, having three kids who are in uh, the youth soccer arena here and having a wife who's actually a girls um, director of coaching here for a local club kind of saw opportunities that I thought that, um, you know, a lot of times players maybe didn't get the, the love or the attention or the instruction or just the, the fun aspect of play um, that I think you and I probably did growing up. A lot of times we would go play just for the sake of play. Yeah. Um, which is kind of why we started started our program and it's kind of grown and evolved over the over the last three years for sure so did you so let me I'm gonna go all the way back so Papa Bear has been coaching for a long stinking time yeah um, were you at a lot of his practices and so were you like that full coach's kid experience that, that you all, see and hear about all of the above I'd get run through the showers by his high school team I'd get thrown in the trash can by his high school team as a five <laughs> six year old you know, coach yelled at them. So they take it out on me looking back at it. I'm like, well, that's probably why they acted like jerks. Cause my dad was kind of hard on him probably. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I can't really yell at him. So let me take it out on this guy. <laughs> um, yeah. But I had the, you know, to me, I look at that as like a tremendously positive experience, but a lot of what I've kind of deemed as just knowledge, almost like quote, like common sense, so to speak, a lot of times as the saying goes, like, isn't that common just cause I grew up, you know, around, um, he coached basketball, but, you know, we played baseball and football and soccer wasn't super big then. And it wasn't really big in the, in, in the city um, where we were, but we were, 
there was always sports on TV. It was sports, you know, 24 seven, you know, so that's really all I knew in terms of lifestyle. The one thing I keep hearing too, is that you have like a really good self-awareness of when you got into the coaching and you started going toward that like big time basketball experience, you realize like it comes down to priorities for me. What, what do I want to really excel at be coaching or as a, as a father and a husband? Yeah. And I mean, it was a sense of, so he, it was, let me think back. I was probably 14 or 15. Um, and he had an offer. He had worked some camps at Mississippi state in Starkville, Mississippi. Um, we were in new Orleans. He was born and raised in new Orleans. My mother was born and raised in new Orleans. Like our entire family was there. Um, so uprooting the family for an opportunity, um, because of just the, the support group that we had. Um, and we had, you know, my, my dad's mom was, was pretty ill at the time and she actually passed away kind of right after he took this job, um, due to cancer. But I had a good school situation. We had a really tight knit support group with all of our family. So it, so it wasn't a matter of like uprooting the entire family to go from New Orleans to Starkville. Like there was no way that was going to happen. So he actually moved away. I was telling one of our, one of our staff this yesterday for um, about eight or nine months. And it was just my mom and I, and he was in Starkville. So before the season, after the season, you know, he would trek home. It was about three hours or so. Um, but from October 15th until, you know, early March, like he was gone you know, where we would go to games and we get to see him then. But just knowing that when when you get that call um, and kind of going up the ladder of any, you know, coaching profession, especially in college, your, your goal is to be become a head coach at the highest level you can. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm coaching and I get a call from a school in, I won't name states as to alienate people, but a rural area of a certain <laughs> state where I may not want to go, it's kind of like, well, I kind of have to go, you know, yeah. and my hand is forced and I've got to force, I've either got to make a decision of, I'm away from my family and hope it works or, Hey guys, I know you love it here, but now we've got to move to this place where you have no desire to ever set foot or want to live or plant roots, but we have to do that. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't willing to do that. Um, and I wasn't willing to, you know, kind of compromise morals and values and cut corners and coaching and maybe doing some things that weren't above board as well to try to kind of work my way up the ladder in that arena. And do you, and I, it sounds like you feel like that was the right choice for you and your family. Oh, I mean, I never like, you know, people asked for maybe the, 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 the six or seven years kind of after that, you know, do you miss it? Do you miss it? And it's like, I never even thought about it until they asked me. And I was like, well, I mean, I missed like maybe one slight aspect. Like I missed the games and the practice, like maybe since you asked me now that I think back, but it's not like, you know, I had a, a deep regret, you know, I filled that void of, you know, the, the competitive notion of it with, with other things, you know, and that's kind of what we've done with our futsal program, you know, obviously where we've kind of just recreated a, a similar competitive environment, competitive arena. Um, like our team just went to regionals this past weekend, which was a highly competitive experience. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, it's funny cause we don't keep score in our league. I don't really keep scores. I'm watching our games. I'm more like the ebb and flow of the game. Um, but my kids, you know, will tell the other players in the program, like, just so you know, like he's probably the most competitive person like that you'll ever meet for sure. You know, so it's just kind of funny the way things have kind of evolved over the years for sure. That's really, really cool. Um, so then, then it gets to the point where you're like, I need, I need something to do. And you see this opportunity to, and it sounds like more of an opportunity, not so much for you personally, but for you to give players in the Birmingham area, the opportunity to fall, like you said, fall in love with the game. So yep. what, 
what was the take me back to when you the first when you started working through this? How did how did Birmingham Futsal come about? What were some of the things you had to go through to get to where you're at now? So it was about, I guess, four, four to five ish years or so ago. Um, Gary Kernin, um, top top notch coach and and gentleman was doing like modern soccer coach. I think maybe his first book had just come out and he was doing some clinics kind of around. Um, you know, he did some in California where he'd coach. He did some in the Carolinas, kind of where he had roots. He did one in Peachtree City, Georgia. And I just reached out, you know, via Twitter um, where we had engaged a little bit and just said, hey, like if, if you need someone to, you know, discuss fitness or speed and agility or, you know, conditioning aspect, kind of the physical side of the game, you know, kind of here's what what I've done. Here's what I do. I'd love to, you know, take time, whether it's a field session or classroom, whatever you deem appropriate. Um, and he, you know, called the next day and we kind of hashed that out. So I made the drive over to Peachtree city, which is about two and a half hours, kind of like in the Atlanta area, which is pretty close to where we are. Um, my oldest son came with me. Um, we went over and I met Alan Ewing is his name. So Alan, buddy of mine, he's a PE teacher, um, and a coaching educator where he had a son a couple of years younger, um, than mine. He had been a director at some of the largest clubs in Atlanta. He had been a director of coaching education with some of them. And, you know, we got kind of got to talking. It's like, well, a lot of times what I would see here in our environment of the youth club soccer game, I would just see it. Well, maybe that's just us, you know, versus like, well, I talked to this person here and talked to that person there. And it's kind of like these things are kind of going on everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, um, where my basketball background as I explained to even my dad when he was like, like, what the hell is this game? Like, I've never heard of it before. You know, I sent him a YouTube link and I said, you know, rather than soccer in a gym, it's more like basketball with your feet. Like when it's played, like, quote, like, well, you know, when it's played the right way and the game is moving and people are, you know, controlling the ball and the game and, and things are going, it looks like basketball. It doesn't look like soccer. Mm -hmm. um, so, so th that was a pretty easy sell to me as Alan and I kind of talked about, because he was starting his program there and said, you know, basically asked if I would be interested. Um, and I said, probably not right now, just, you know, from location and kind of what I'm working on, but in the next few months, I'll get back to you. And that's, that was then July of, I would guess, 2018 is when we started. Cause we're about two and a half years old. Okay. Um, so then why, why specifically futsal? Um, I mean, the notions of it's building a player's relationship with the ball. Um, you know, so I'm a big, not to keep name dropping, but I'm a big like Tom Byer disciple. Mm -hmm. I actually had the privilege of meeting Tom with Alan where um, we do some adult pickup games. That's like, honestly, it's like the United Nations of the court. Like we'll have 40 players and we've had 40 players from 33 different countries at one time. It's amazing, wow. um, which is really cool. You know, but again, like they all come like literally they don't even speak the same language. You know, some of them speak no English. Some of them speak broken. Some of them are American and they're fluent, whatever, but they come for the ball. Like that's the language they all speak. Yeah. So those games ended about 11 o'clock, which is 12 o'clock Eastern, um, which is where Alan is. And he's like, Hey, he had talked about Tom maybe being in the area in the area. He's like, Hey, he's going to be here tomorrow. Can you be here at six 30? So I basically had six and a half hours to sleep, shower, rest, and drive two and a half to three hours over. And I'm like, absolutely. I'll be there you know, and had the privilege of kind of meeting Tom and just seeing, obviously he's at the entry level grassroots stage, but in, in any sport, I go back to when I grew up, I would have a ball in my hand or I would have, you know, a ball on the ground or I would have a ball in the air, you know, where kids 
the more you love the ball, the more you're going to love the game. And we can kind of create this, this cyclical nature of whether you stay in the sport as a player at the highest level, or whether you stay in the sport like us as a coach, or whether you stay in the sport as an announcer, whether you stay in the sport as a, you know, equipment manufacturer, whatever it is, I think that if we empower and um, impassion kids to love the ball, uh, it's going to go a long way and it's going to keep them involved in the game uh, for a much longer time. That's uh, the idea of having 40 people there and 33 of them, like 33 different nationalities and whatever is so cool. And then like you said, um, and which I, I'm learning more and more is soccer is soccer, no matter where you play it. Um, it doesn't matter if you have five guys that are playing, you're playing three V two or whatever, it's still the same rules and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's so cool that it's so universal and it brings that unity um, with that. So then where, how did you go about finding a, a spot to have futsal courts and what have you? So there's a really nice um, kind of large scale facility, which at the time that Alan and I met, I was doing some collaborative work with a medical group um, and like one of the local city governments that had just built like a big, huge sports complex where it was a big indoor, you know, nice wood court open space that would be 11 basketball courts convert to 17 volleyball with a athletic training room with meeting rooms and all this. Um, so knew that we had an opportunity to use some of that space. Um, and the biggest thing was, okay, like, so we have space, but like, how are we going to kind of find ends, you know, into the community where people honestly didn't know what futsal was, they might have heard of it. And like, at the time, there was there's still no like year round option program. There's no actual program. The only other, you know, kind of sort of futsal options that may exist would be like a winter league that one of the smaller clubs kind of runs basically for their kids to play in the winter. Um, you know, so kind of knowing that it was a blank canvas and we could kind of paint it to be as authentic to the actual game as it were, where like Alan and I joke, like we're futsal snobs, like it's not played on turf it's not played with a soccer ball in a gym. Like it, it's on a slick surface, either gym or sport court or outdoor concrete or tennis court, you know, uh, kind of material, that kind of thing with a futsal ball. Anything other than that is soccer, which is fine, you know, but in terms of like the, the benefits that people would kind of say that, you know, the South American players get growing up, you know, obviously Brazil, you know, that's like the nation, um, you know, where futsal is, is king and queen for sure. Um, but in those cultures, they're as good as they are on the ball because they play futsal, not because they have a soccer ball. And many of them don't even have like an actual ball as it were. They'll have something that's round or maybe oval shaped in the street with no shoes. And you have to deal with that environment, you know, which is kind of what our goal has been is providing an experience that, and we'll have like, I'll say in our meeting tonight, like just a reminder, like, you know, we're not a soccer club. And I don't say that as like a pejorative negative term, like we're good. They're not, but that's not how we operate. Like our goals are different. Our visions are different. You know, we boil it down to this is our game and we want our players and your kids to book, to grow to love this game. And a big part of that is again, their relationship with the ball. So once you get this place, how, so you've got the courts, you've got a venue. How did you make that, that connection with the community? How did you get 40 guys to show up that want to rock and roll and play? How'd you get this out there? So we started um, as a kind of a youth only. So it's been very, very, you know, progressive and kind of stair step in nature where our initial event was 
uh, like a summer camp. So like in July, I want to say we had like uh, these ages from these times, these ages from those times for four days. Um, leading into that, I had some, again, having kids, you know, that, that play um, and kind of being a soccer parent myself. I had some friends and people, you know, so I was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. So for about two or three weeks leading up to that first event, we did like some open play dates and just like, here's the ball, here's the game, come play. Um, if you'd like something a little bit more, you know, not serious, but like instructional where you can actually learn techniques and, you know, the, the different aspects and phases of the game. Um, we're going to have a camp on these days. Um, we had a whopping 16 kids turn out for the first event um, and knew that like from there, our goal again was to be able to offer. I don't think that, that anybody who's played the game would say that futsal isn't fun. Everybody would probably say, you know, if you've been involved, like it's maybe even more fun than the outdoor game. There's less people, there's a tighter space. There's more transition. There's more interactive. Yeah. Um, so for the attention span of a lot of youth players, in my opinion, that's probably why they burn out on the outdoor game. Cause frankly, they get bored because there's one ball. And by the end, there's 20 players on the field, not counting the goalies, mm -hmm. but in futsal, there's one ball and there's eight players and it's a much tighter space. So like the game doesn't lend itself to that. So knew that we wanted to kind of roll this program out eventually use the camp. Um, and then kind of, then we, had another smaller venue where we had done, um, we built a relationship and we did a lot of training there. We had um, our first kind of community event was called the Futsal Fiesta. And we had from 16, all of those 16. And then we had another, I think 30 or so. So we had about 45 kids um, and kind of grew that into our first year of like what our, and this is a nebulous term because everybody has an academy these days. Mm -hmm. um, but like our futsal quote academy, that's basically the term we would use for like year round play um, where these families right now we're at, I want to say 55 players. So we have six teams and then some other kind of pools of, of age groups. Um, so we've grown into now we have again, six teams of players who play year round. Um, after about six months of just the youth arm, I was like, okay, so many of you have parents that, that obviously play and have expressed interest and us wanting to build that family base and kind of that community feel much like a, an actual, you know, football club where mom and dad come and dad's playing on the first team and little Johnny or little Pedro or Hector's on the, on the years, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's kind of what we started to do where we did. Um, it was about six months after we started the youth. Then we started rolling on our adult pickup and that started much like, you know, Hey, come play. There'd be some nights where we'd have three V three. There'd be some nights where we'd have, okay, we can play five V five. Great. And over time that grew and grew and grew. Um, cause I, cause I take it pretty, you know, seriously where like you have to reserve your spot. So you're not going to show up one night and there'll be 80 people and you don't get to play. Like we're going to keep the numbers between here and here. Mm -hmm. So you're guaranteed from eight 30 to 10 30 that you're going to get a huge amount of court time. Um, some night we'll have maybe five or six teams where winners will stay and that kind of stuff. Um, but that's, that's what that's grown and, and, and evolved into over the last two years. So I'm, I am curious as selfishly because I am in the process of trying to get just even mini miniature courts put into our community here, uh, in Middletown to give kids just opportunity just to go play pickup, um, ball. So it, I love the fact that, so when those first 16 came, was there a part of you was like, uh, this might not work out or was there a thought of like, let's just be patient and let's just keep let, do, doing what we're doing. And we'll see what happens. Um, 
I don't know, honestly, if ever in my life I've ever thought this won't work out with anything, which is probably ultimately my downfall. <laughs> like I'm, I'm on Zoom so people can't see. But like, again, I come from a basketball background. I'm 5'9", 170 pounds, and I've played college basketball. So like if I can do that, like anybody can do anything, you know, honestly. And that's always been my mindset, you know, where it's just I showed up and like, 16 is it 50 or 60 that would have been great but like 16 is greater than zero yeah which up until then like zero kids had actually played real futsal in Birmingham so like victory for us you know um and again I'm a big Gary V disciple which is kind of like where all of this stuff stems from because the the position and kind of profession that I was in was more kind of at, at for a few years was more like kind of corporate mainstream fitness and I knew that I didn't want to do that long term. And I tell this story for people who, you know, haven't really heard of, of Gary or any of his work. I was targeted through Facebook and his stuff would come across my feed. And it was like, oh, this is sales stuff. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And I don't know what, like what sparked my interest this day. But like I clicked on the video that like one day after getting targeted 37 or 58 different times. And it was daily v 101 which was a tribute from like a fan in portugal to him of like basically a montage of a lot of his speeches and you know little little sound bites and, and that and after the nine minute video i told my wife hey like what i've been doing i'm done i'm not doing that anymore and within a week it was over and we started the futsal program because i knew that that's what i wanted to do wow it's this is so awesome because um a lot of people and this is why i'm so this is what's so cool about this podcast I, opportunity is to hear these stories is so many you see on Twitter and you see all these kids that are five stars and you see all the oh I'm going I'm division one coach doing this and and so a lot of people listening to this would look at and go Tristan that sounds like you wouldn't you want to just to chase that big dream of being a d1 coach you've been on tv you've been on networks all the money all this kind of stuff um, and I think it's so cool that when you peel it all away it's like, yeah, but I want to have something I'm passionate about that I love, that I enjoy. Um, and the impact that you're making, like you said, um, and I was why I wanted to bring it up was I think so many times we go into things with an idea. And then when only a handful of people show up, you're like, well, this is what the idea is not going to work. And yeah. I know because I'm a huge Gary B disciple as well. And he constantly pushes patience, 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 like just keep doing what you're doing and make connections. And I keep hearing relationships and just building like the idea of like, Hey, I've got your kids in the mix. I know you guys are dry or going, or you're salivating on the sidelines to want to get on this court and play. So mm -hmm. here, we'll let you guys go. Does, yep. so you said now, so a full, I can play futsal all year long. Yep. And one thing real quick, just to, just to like, refresh back to some of the things you said is, and I thought about this, like when I was coaching. So my first two years coaching division one basketball, um, we went to the big dance. We went to the NCAA tournament only two years in school history. So I'm like, Oh, this is easy. We didn't go ever again. Like my next four years, we didn't go. So it's like, I tell people like when they would ask that, like, well, like, don't you miss this and that I'm like, I miss that, but like when you see, so like if you see Coach K on the sidelines at Duke, you see that, you see that environment, obviously pre-COVID, the Cameron crazy, like you see that. Mm -hmm. You don't see him in July when out of the 31 days in July, he's on the road for 28 and only gets to see his family for three. You don't see the fact that he's got to miss his kid's 16th birthday. They don't show you all that. 
you know, they show you the good stuff. You see the trophy, you see them cutting down the nets and like, that's what you want. But like we had a phrase and again, coach's son, like when you pick up the stick. So if I'm going to pick up this pen, I pick up both ends. So I'm going to get the good and I'm going to get the bad with it. So you better be prepared for that. You know, and that was something where, yeah, the good is great, but the good of this isn't going to outweigh the fact that I'm not going to be able to go to my kids' games. I'm not going to be able to be at their birthday because they're born in March and April. So we may be either at a tournament or we'll be in recruiting or we'll be something. And like, ultimately I've got to be okay with missing that, you know, maybe if they were born in July or August, that'd have been better, but they weren't. So, <laughs> you know, but, um, but it was a matter of, again, just knowing as, as we move forward and all we know is what we know. So we all have a certain, you know, level of good experience and bad experience in life and growing up as a coach's son in, in a community of, you know, players and coaches and families and like how tight knit everyone was um, and seeing that not really present in today's youth sport, you know, regardless whether it be soccer, basketball, football, like, you know, and it may exist somewhere. I just know, again, I just know like around us, it wasn't, it wasn't there. It didn't feel like, you know, a community it didn't feel like family. It felt like, well, I'm in it for my kid. And if I can do this, say this, align with this person, then I can get one up and I can make this team. And ultimately, like, it doesn't matter, man. What matters are the relationships we're building and the lessons that our kids are learning so that if they do become a college player, great. If they do become a pro, great. If they do make a national team, great. But like, what are they learning? And are they getting that on their own merit? Are they getting that because they want to do it and they're putting their nose down and they're working toward that goal? Or are they getting that because it's political? you know, or whatever, you know, what's behind the scenes creating that opportunity, which is, I knew when we started our program, I wanted it to go back to, you're probably like myself, probably like an eighties baby. I wanted it to be like that. Like when you would go in the neighborhood, you didn't have to show your birth certificate to prove that you belonged. It wasn't, Oh, sorry. Only you 12s can play on this, on this lawn. You know, you eights played with you 16s. And if you were good enough, you were old enough you know, which is kind of the way that our program is now, where we have some kids that, and this is part of what I'll talk about tonight, like kids need to play. They need to play even so they can kind of fit in and see their level. They need to play up so they can get challenged and they need to play down so that they can exhibit, you know, leadership and they can have that pressure and stress of when you play quote down, when you play, either you're the best player at your age, when you play true age and you're the best, then your role is to be the best, you know, and that's something where, I had this talk with our winter kids this week is usually when coaches use the term role player, that's seen as like a negative. Everybody has a role. So in soccer, if Lionel Messi isn't the best player on the field, guess what? Barca don't win because that's his role. You've got to be the best. If LeBron isn't the best on the court, the Lakers don't win more than likely. Yeah. You know, so everybody wants to be the best versus like the term you use is just self-awareness. Like, who am I? What, what am I capable of doing right now? And can I bring my best to this day, this court, this time, this game, this training session, this regional semifinal, you know, whatever the event is, um, am I able to do that? So those are the lessons, you know, that we're trying to instill through the sense of community and parent involvement um, and our other program, like Little Ballers, which is kind of our four and five-year-olds that's comical for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just having an opportunity, you know, again, where we can kind of have the whole family involved and create that community feel. I love it. Love it all. So 
the and you mentioned earlier you had a group that just went to regional so in the span of two and a half years you have have a crop of players that has risen to the level where they can compete it sounds like at a pretty good uh clip and then my other thought was who's coaching these kids so in in terms of our our youth program we're part of um like us youth futsal which is like the major you know, quote, governing body over the youth side of the game. Um, so we're, we're one of their academies here in the U.S. Uh, so basically, the one deal that we have with parents is if you would like to be part of kind of this program, here's what you get. You get X amount of days a week. You get, you know, any camps and events and clinics. You get a huge discount, blah, 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 blah. Um, our one ask is the only travel we have is regionals, which is, you know, these days and times, uh, typically, um, like we just went to Charlotte because that's, you know, it's like five and a half hours so nothing too bad. Um, but we're still a little bit isolated in terms of like, obviously futsal kind of where we are didn't exist and kind of around us, we're still a little bit of a satellite. So that's, um, that's a bit of a trek, but it's better, you know, than going to Phoenix or something like that. Um, so that's kind of the one, you know, I guess, stretch of commitment that we ask from parents. And I'm like, if you don't, want to go that's fine but we all, all we need to know is like kind of what your commitment is so that we can prepare for that um where we had five teams go last year um you know and much like any you know youth sports organization you'll have some that overperform some that perform to the level of expectation and some that may quote underperform uh this year we had six teams um which again we had some do you know better than expected about like we expected unless our um our high school team, which we call it that because again, it's, it's age group. So it's our 2003 boys, but we called it our high school team because there weren't that many 2003 boys on the team. <laughs> um, so we played, you know, one game, two game, we win, we tie, we this, we that. And then we play a team where basically I'm doing the math. I know like based on goal difference, if it's a, if we win or tie, we're in, if we lose by five or less, we're in, I'm not going to tell players that because then oh okay we're just going to play not to lose by a lot and then we'll lose by a lot yep. um you know where we had played this team um elite futsal is their name they're based out of charleston um kevin jackson's the director does a tremendous job again they, they've been at it you know 10 or 12 years so they've done a great job of building culture in the game and a lot of the players we faced you know started as our little ballers and they've been in the program and been on the ball for six seven years um and it shows for sure in their play where this group had played that group last year at regionals and i believe i didn't coach that game it wouldn't have mattered if i did we could have had you know the head of brazil futsal coach it wouldn't have mattered i think our team lost 15 to 1 something like that um and we're battling sunday night for a result to advance to the regional final the next day and we were winning and tied for 38 minutes and we were tied with i want to say four minutes to go we ended up losing by a few goals but you know just to be able to go from 15 to one to pretty even mm -hmm. um, says a lot, you know, not about me or us, but about like the kids where we had on that team. Uh, we had 2003 boy, 2003 boy, 2003 boy, 2004 boy, 2004 boy, 2004 non-boy or a girl. Um, and then 2006 boy. So that was our roster playing against all 2003 boys that had been playing futsal for, you know, several years. Um, and our group battled, you know, where, I mean, that's, that's something like I told them, you know, did, did we play, you know, cleanly and perfectly the whole game? No, but like you gave everything you had. And ultimately like that's, 
that's all you can control, you know, at that point in time. Those opportunities to kind of, like you said, just being a satellite, you kind of don't know what else is out there. Yep. So you all to go and say, look, and then you can tell them like that group you just played, number one, you guys have already made up some distance on them from last year by putting in the work that you've been doing here in Birmingham. And number mm-hmm. two, they're at the level that they're at because they've been at it for so long. So just continue to keep working at it. And it's a great thing for them to then go back to Birmingham and start telling the, you know, when the, the young lady goes back and says, Hey, we need to keep playing. We need to keep playing more. And the, you know, the youngest one, the 06 boys starts talking to his 06 buddies, like, let's just keep rocking and rolling. Cause we want to go to regionals cause we can hang yep. um, is a huge type of thing. What's the, what's the next What's the next step if there is a step? Where's where's Birmingham Futsal go from here, do you think, in the next two, three, four, five years? Um, I mean, in terms of our goal is, you know, again, to to not gravitate too far away from like kind of our why, like why we started our program. You know, so it's not like we're gonna necessarily do anything groundbreaking or different or anything like that. And um, we have some other programs like, you know, we've incorporated um, like the game and sport and activity of like tech ball, just because again, um, futsal, obviously for technical development of player for ball on the ground, for those type of skills, really, really good. Um, ball isn't in the air a ton. Uh, so, you know, being able to kind of help players maybe deal with that aspect of their game um, in terms of tech ball, which is basically like the soccer ping pong game for those that are watching or listening that may not, you know, be that familiar with it. Um, again, super fun. Uh, the more skilled you are, the more fun it is. If you're not very skilled, you end up turning into fitness and chasing the ball the whole time, uh, which is not the goal. Um, you know, and we've also incorporated um, through relationships that we have with my buddy at Barefoot Futsal in Charlotte, um, some freestyle. So again, trying to give players opportunities where you can live life and play the games on your terms, whatever the game is. So there are some players that... Um, are really good on the court and maybe struggle in the outdoor because they're not super athletic and can't cover distance and then vice versa. There are some players that um, like we brought in Boyko Ortiz is his name from Colombia, uh, not South Carolina, as I tell our Southerners, but like the actual country of Colombia um, <laughs> where, where we brought him in uh, for four days and he worked with our players and he's ranked as the like the third or fourth best freestyler in the world where he's gotten to the Red Bull world championships, like six, seven years in a row, you know, and like seeing somebody where he does his, I'd introduce him, blah, 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 I video it. And the timestamp at the end of his first performance was four minutes and 32 seconds. And the ball never hit the ground and he wasn't juggling with just his feet. He was juggling with his shoulder and his, and his ears and his nostrils and every single body part you could imagine handstand and juggle with his feet. It was amazing. Um, you know, so just again, how many times can we reinstill that six-year-old Boyka in Medellin, Colombia, never thought he'd be able to do that, but he can because he put the time in and he put the work in. So six-year-old, 11-year-old kid in Birmingham, you know, like to your point, we're on a satellite. So we get a false sense, whether it's our game or outdoor game that like, we're like good, we're good for here, mm-hmm. you know, but, but know that in markets where there's more players, they can kind of iron, can kind of sharpen iron. Because you have to bring your best if you're going to be on the top team at a certain outdoor club in an Atlanta or a Charlotte, because there's just more players, um, you know, which we can't control that, um, which I'm not a very big believer in player pool anyway. Obviously, the, the more players there are, the more better players, et cetera. 
but I think culture is what matters most because we can't just all of a sudden snap our fingers and have 20,000 kids here. It's not going to happen. So we can sit around and try to, you know, complain about it or we can control, we can control, you know, and just try to train and put in the time and put in the work and get as good as we can. So what does a, uh, what is your typical day look like right now with Birmingham futsal for you? Um, so starting in, let me think the last Monday of November. So kind of the Monday after Thanksgiving that started our winter season, um, which that's seven days a week, you know, so I'll go Monday. I'll make it quick. Um, Monday we're on the court. So we start at four 30. So I would get there three 30, make sure, you know, everything is set up. We have music in every session and every game, um, training. We keep the music loud to kind of keep them engaged and make them like communicate and all that. Uh, the music is a little lower for games because we don't want to blast out mom and dad and grandma who may be watching um but we're there basically 3 30 all the way through we would have some youth sessions 4 30 to 6 37 and then our little ballers our four and five six-year-olds till 7 30 then we would have a break and then adults would come in from 8 30 to 10 30 so basically for seven hours we're on the courts with ages four up to adult um in the mornings you know from 9 10 ish until noon or whatever it's you know admin coaching education uh carpal tunnel emails and social media and, and, and that fun stuff. Um, and then the same thing on Tuesday and then Thursday on Wednesday, we wouldn't have folks on our courts. Um, there's been an outdoor futsal uh, court that's available and one of the local um, Latino and Hispanic leagues um, started that. So we have our, um, our first team, which again has been my goal is to have from age four all the way up you know, through our academy from seven, eight, nine to high school now we have a first team where it's a lot of the, the better players, the more committed guys and girls that have been coming in to play pickup. Um, so now, like I actually have one or two that are, they like soccer, but they like futsal more and they don't want to go play college soccer. So they're like, you know, what's an opportunity for me? Um, so we're trying to kind of create that and, and offer that opportunity where we play in a league here that just started. Um, that league in February, March will grow. We'll use our facility and another couple of facilities as well. Um, so that'll begin to grow. Um, so that's Monday through Thursday. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, we have our academy practice um, as a team and group. And then Friday night, like tonight from 630 till nine, we'll have winter league games. And then Saturday, Sunday, all day, we'll have winter league games. So I think we have, this is our last weekend. So we'll have, I think, 19 games um, this weekend. So again, the winter, you know, as, as it is everywhere across the U.S., kind of you know, futsal is like a winter sport, which for most people, it still is here. Um, but every year as we end our winter, you know, we'll gain six, eight, 10, maybe 12 kids into our year round program. I just never knew it existed and never, never even knew the game existed, much less like, wait, I can do this like year round. I'm like, did you have fun? You know, did it make you better? Why would you stop? Just because now the weather's better. Like, it makes no sense, you know? Um, so when we kind of talk to parents that way, they're like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, we want to do it. So um, once the spring hits in a couple of weeks, you know, the, the, the schedule will slow down some. We won't be seven days a week. We'll be more like five or, or six. We'll actually get a day off. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> but again, it's not really, you know, it's, it's not even really work. Like people ask, like my dad's like, hey, so like, you know, doing a lot. I'm like, I'm doing a lot, but I'm not because it's like fun. You know, like just talking to you and trying to help whoever hears this, if they can have some level of, you know, glean anything from this of any type of resource, you know, I'm here to help whether it's coaches or kids or parents just try to find a better opportunity and better situation.
this this whole conversation has been so awesome because it's uh all of this just come about by just your kind of idea and a conversation with your buddy um and it's just kind of grown and then you've just kind of said well now the kids like it what other things can we add to the mix and and the fact that it's gone from we found a place to have it to now we have like an outside group of latino which again um one of the things that i think sadly we have priced out is socioeconomic is just there are people for instance the hispanic you know community is continually priced out of the experience of the soccer game that they love um and i know in our, in this my community they're always at the parks playing Mm -hmm. um, but they're having to make up, you know, they're bringing like sticks and stuff to make us the goalposts and stuff. So that's my kind of premise of what can I create where they can just pull up, hop out of the car and we can play and it's all set up. And I think that the fact that you've got that relationship where they're coming to you, man, that's, that's, I, that's huge. And then, like you said earlier with all the different nationalities and, and what have you, but. Well, uh, it was the first, like that's to me, I had to, not sell them, but I had to deliver that specific population you just spoke about, like an authentic experience. Because in our community, you know, they see someone who looks like me, who's affiliated with a sports organization, you know, whether it be obviously with, with them, usually it's a soccer club. And they've been told and they've been pitched and they've been sold things like for years, but it hasn't happened, you know, or it's happened for a year and then it's gone away, or it's happened for this family because their kid's really good but not the others because it's a gatekeeper mentality that drives the system whereas like for me you know they would come in it's like hey like can we check it out i'm like yeah go ahead and they expected me to say no it's like yeah like i i know what that means like you want to see are the games any good because if there's a fee attached to it you want to make sure you're getting a return on your investment like that to me that just makes sense yeah you know i'm not going to say oh you've got to give me uh we're going we're gonna to play a movie. It's $20. You don't want to know what movie. I'm not going to tell you. Well, then you're not going to go. You know? <laughs> if it's the kind of movie you like, you'll pay. If it's not, you won't. So, you know, that was something where we started out. And over time, where I spoke zero Spanish, now it's un poco, you know, but it's like over time, you know, and I'll try to speak as much as I can to them. Just like, I want to learn from you. I want to be one of you, you know, I don't expect you to adapt who you are or change who you are at all. Cause I think a lot of that happens socially, you know, just, you know, because that's the way the world is, you know, versus like, I'll change slightly who I am so that we can have a better relationship. And so that I'll be on your level, so to speak. Um, so you were talking earlier about sharing ideas and people uh, using you as a resource as we get to the end here and wrap this up, what's a great way, what's the best ways for people to connect with you um, if they've got questions or if they, you know, maybe there's a futsal club out there that hears about this, like, dude, we'd love to do something with you. Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, it's T and then Tillet. So last name. So T and then T-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. -T -E. Um, and then Birmingham futsal. It's either Birmingham futsal or like BHM, which is the kind of airport code um, futsal to kind of depending on the platform, um, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, even TikTok, things like that. You know, we try to put as much content out there as we can. Um, and again, we're, we're an open book where we've been very fortunate to have, you know, folks who kind of came before us, um, you know, help. And that's one thing as like you asked, who's coaching the teams. We have myself and a couple of part-time folks who have players um, 
who are either still playing or, you know, kind of recently stopped playing um, where I had a good relationship with them and trained them um, for years. So I was comfortable, you know, with them, they were comfortable with us. Uh, and then my wife has, has done an awesome job um, coming on this, this fall and winter to help as well, where she came to regionals and was a huge help because last year, I think I coached 18 games in 30 hours and from 8 a.m. Eastern Saturday until 9 p.m., 13 hours, I coached 11. So I only had like two blocks and those blocks were to get from this facility to that facility. Mm -hmm. So they were like, um, do you want us to bring you lunch? I was like, no, because I won't have time to eat it. And I'm not going to eat like a burrito, like while coaching your kid, you know, that's not appropriate. <laughs> so I'll just snack it up until I can actually eat dinner. Um, you know, so that's another thing I've tried to do is, you know, to deliver quality experience, you need quality people, you know, good people, but also, and most importantly, you know, people who will put the players and the kids first and not forget, you know, that ultimately it's about them, you know, put our own egos at the door. Yeah. We want to win. Yeah. We want to reach and have these accolades, but like we have someone's son and daughter in front of us, you know, that's our captive audience. And, you know, so that's what we've tried to do is keep that in mind and try to help as many kids as we can. Has your wife just, we haven't even got into that, but has your wife been supportive of this entire kind of, uh, uh, thing that you've gotten into with the futsal? Probably unwillingly. No, no, she's been amazing for sure. You know, where, I mean, it, I don't know if we've, you know, I'm fully supportive of like what she wants to do in her career, you know, whether it's stay in Birmingham or, or elsewhere, you know, to maybe like a better opportunity at a university or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, vice versa, where she kind of knew that I was passionate about it and knew, you know, and, and her being in the game, she kind of saw a need for it as well. Um, so she's been very, you know, very supportive, which makes for some, some long nights and long hours for sure, where I work again from 3, 3.30 until 11.30, you know, luckily she's on the field. So she works from 4, 4.30 to 9, 10.30, you know, if we had kind of different schedules, if she had an eight to five job, maybe it wouldn't work because yeah. we never see each other. Or maybe that'd be better. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> uh, Tristan, this has been awesome. There's so many, uh, and I will have to follow up because this is. I, I know we've kind of just hit the tip of the iceberg on this, but I really wanted, like I said, almost selfishly for myself was to kind of find out like when you had this dream, what were some of the things that you went to? And uh, the one thing I've heard is just kind of networking, being willing to ask people like what they think. Um, and then just the big idea of just, going after something that you know you're passionate about. Um, so uh, you've made some huge decisions. I know life decisions when it came to the coaching, when it came to your, your previous job in the corporate world, where you said, you know what, I'm gonna try to transition a different way um, and make an impact in a different way. So I really appreciate you being on with me. Uh, For sure. Let me set this thing down and then uh, we'll, we'll uh, hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.